Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Tonto the Gauntlet Pro Team Athlete, Evan Preparis, and joining me is my co-host, Brenna Calvert. Hello, everybody. Feels like it's been a while. It has been a while since we've recorded an episode, uh, but we are back, and this episode is brought to you by Hylete. Hylete makes some functional fitness apparel. Uh, I just got a pair of their shorts and their pants, and they are like the softest things ever. I wore them after my recent Toughest Mudder race, and they are so soft. They also make some pretty awesome stuff, some uh, backpacks, which if you've ever seen me at an OCR, I always have my Hylee backpack on it because it has like a thousand pockets that you can put pretty much everything in, including a pocket that's all like lined with reflective material, so it's like a cooler pocket. It's awesome. Brenna, what are your thoughts on Hylee? I love Hylee myself. I will second you on the backpack conversation because I have used that everywhere now. Now that I live on the road, I basically live out of my Hylite backpack. So can't say enough about that. And then literally shorts, shirts, I mean, you name it, they have it and it's functional, comfortable and looks good at the same time. So everybody check them out. Worth, worth the investment for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So this episode is just uh, Brenna and I, we're going to be covering some of the recent races we've done, some of our thoughts on them, how we performed and, you know, kind of lessons learned and stuff like that. Now, we're actually both not at our home normal recording place, so hopefully the sound sounds good uh, as this records. I am in lovely Reno, Nevada, and I'm sitting in a hotel in like a penthouse suite. It is pretty awesome. There's a hot tub in my room, like not, like not in the bathroom, it's in my room. Like it's It's like three feet behind me as I'm recording this. Brenna, where are you at? <laughs> on the flip side of that, I love Evan so much, but I hate him at the same time because I'm living the life of build crew for Conquer the Gauntlet, which, again, I love it. We are here in Dallas. Today was our first day of course clearing for our Dallas event on June 3rd, but um, I am in the quite opposite. I'm in the Motel 6 Micro Inn sharing a room with two boys, so I am in my hallway, recording this episode. <laughs> classy. Always keeping it classy, Brenna. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, you know me. That's why y'all love me. <laughs> so, like we said, we haven't recorded an episode in a while, but uh, we've been putting out consistent content because a lot of times we record them and then push them out at a later date. Um, Brenna, did you get a chance to listen to the Strongman episode with Kel Beck? I did a little bit. I actually was um, on the road and listened to kind of clicked forward and back and for that on that Tracy and I were on the road and listened to that one together which um is awesome I love listening to them when I'm not when I'm not on it it's great because it's still informative and exciting to have all the different athletes from different sports and um different avenues of our industry yeah I, I really like that episode it's actually doing really well it's got a lot of downloads despite it being the newest episode we released uh I want to touch on like two things from the episode, kind of my favorite thing and my least favorite thing he said. Uh, I'd say my favorite thing, so we were talking about grippers, and he's talking about how training with grippers is not the best idea because it actually teaches your muscle memory to squeeze real hard and then let go. 
right, which is the opposite we want to do for obstacle course racing. You want to be able to grab onto something and hold. So I really like that he brought that up. So if you are training with grippers, I just kind of want to reemphasize that. You should be practicing squeezing and then holding, just like you would on a rig, right? You're not going to grab onto a bar for a second and then let go. You're going to hold it for even for a couple seconds as you transition. So if you're training with uh, grippers, I thought that's a great piece of advice. Definitely a good point to remember because, yeah, we pretty much are the opposite. We want to kind of hold on for dear life for the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And the I'd say the, the one thing I didn't like that he said, um, so strongman is a strength sport, and it is, you know, it's built on extremes, and people want to see essentially the freak show, right? Um, so he seemed kind of, you know, a little more ambivalent on drug use, which I am, you know, violently opposed to. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to have to take drugs to compete, and I think OCR in general is the I think the majority of the athletes are clean, uh, even at the elite level. I think if somehow we could tell everyone, you know, everyone's drug test history, I think you'd be surprised that, you know, some of the people who are probably, quote-unquote, cheating are are probably not the top guys. They're probably, you know, sub-top. And, um, you know, if I, if I was testing people, I would test, obviously, the, the podium athletes first, and then I would test the master's athletes, right, because um, – you know, testosterone replacement therapy and hormone replacement therapy is kind of a common thing now, or more of a common thing, but it's still cheating. So, uh, wasn't crazy about some of his responses to that, but you know, um, yeah, kind of everyone has their own and opinion. I, I would say I agree, and I feel like it's kind of, I don't know, unfortunately, it's like sport by sport basis, which you would think just athletes in general would all just want to be the best they can be naturally. But unfortunately, nowadays, there's just so many different sports that top athletes that you wouldn't expect or you would hope to, like the ones you look up to, come to find out, aren't performing all natural. And unfortunately, that's a bummer to hear. And I mean, this probably wasn't on our little like list of topics, but that's bringing up drug use or anything like that is the whole just, um, it was brought up recently, just like the IV hydration or rehydration or anything like that for OCR it kind of floats around and everybody has their opinion yay nay whatever but again I'm kind of on agree with you you definitely have strong opinions against it but um I agree that I, I think it's kind of like a it's a boost that you're using and shouldn't be I mean I'm I don't take many supplements really at all I'm not even like a pre-workout post-workout type of person myself I just kind of like go off my natural abilities or inabilities and I'm fine with that and my weaknesses are my weaknesses that I need to work on not to take something to supplement and make better or stronger with additives or whether it's healthy or all natural in my opinion but everybody has their opinions really for that but that's just me saying hey I like my 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 beers and <laughs> that's my natural <laughs> like that's I do my thing I don't add drugs in the mix to make myself better I think you're uh, I think you're pretty high spirits, Brenna. So I think you use your natural like chipperness to motivate you through races. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, it didn't work for me recently, but hey, that's for later. <laughs> so commenting on the the IV thing. So IVs are banned by World Anti-Doping Agency and the United States Anti-Doping Agency. So, you know, whether if you're competing and qualifying for OCRWC, racing at OCRWC, World's Toughest Mudder, uh, pretty much any obstacle course race that's giving out money, there's usually written in the rules, you know, must abide by WADA and USADA standards, and IVs are banned. There's not like, there's not a gray area, like they are 100% banned. 
Uh, it doesn't matter if all you're injecting is saline solution, which is essentially like basically water and electrolytes. Um, just the taking of an IV, I think it's greater than 50 milliliters, which is essentially like a cup of water, um, not even. So that's 100% listed as banned. It's not, like I said, not a gray area. If you want more information, I wrote an article on it, on a mud run guide. You, it's called a mud run guide, um, already off track for drug testing. So if you want to know more about that, check it out. It's got references and stuff like that. Anyway, well, I feel like adding, yeah, well, I'll adding to that real quick, I just feel like people don't even realize that something as simple as a saline solution, like a little bit, is that. Because, I mean, you're basically putting a needle in your arm and getting it directly rather than, say, like drinking a saline solution or electrolytes. I mean, it's totally different effect. I mean, it's basically through your bloodstream and a quicker fix. And that's, again, cheating or illegal in our sport. So people that do it don't they might not realize it so pay attention be knowledgeable you know educate yourself everybody that's very important yeah and, and people people are like well why is it why is it banned if all you're injecting is saline solution and a couple of reasons one uh they say that you know increasing that blood volume very rapidly before your body has time to process it can actually help you perform better uh so there's like a performance enhancing uh side to it there's also a dilution uh, enhancing side to it. So if you are taking performance enhancing drugs, by pushing all that IV fluid into your body, it dilutes your blood and thus dilutes some of the markers that they're looking for when they're drug testing. So uh, one of the ways they test for cyclists for uh, erythropoietin, EPO, or blood doping, which is essentially you take out your blood and put your own blood back in at a later date, so you have more red blood cells, you can transport more oxygen, um, is they test something called your hematocrit level. So hematocrit is number of red blood cells per volume of blood. And, um, you know, there's, they set an upper limit. And one of the ways people were getting around the drug testing was, all right, so you're above the upper limit during the competition. You push an IV immediately post-race, and it drops that hematocrit level lower below the quote-unquote legal limit. Um, so it's used, to hide, it's used to hide other drugs, basically. By dilution is the concept. So Exactly. Just don't do it, people. <laughs> and then the other thing is, right, so if there's already a needle in your arm and you want to take banned substances, like it's too easy essentially to inject the other banned substances into the bag, right? And it just – everything's just flowing in at that point. So Banned. Uh, anyway, let's go back – enough on PED use. Let's talk about – let's talk about <laughs> recent <positive> race up. <laughs> Let's look at our recent races. So let's start off with uh, we're gonna run through a couple. We got we recently did Savage Race Georgia. I did Warrior Dash, uh, Toughest Mudder, both South and Northeast, and Conquer the Gauntlet Atlanta. So we're gonna be kind of touching on a little bit on all of those races uh, in this episode. So let's start off with Savage Race. Brenna, a good one. yeah, Brenna, that was a good one for you, Brenna. Let's um, <laughs> I guess share your thoughts on Savage Race, and then I'll I'll kind of share mine. Oh, yeah. So for those, I feel like it's amazing. Savage Race, to me, I still keep hearing people that have not done Savage Race. And, again, you had not done Savage Race what? until Atlanta, correct? Correct. That is correct, yeah. I yeah, let me call you out. Too. Okay. <laughs> but that's just amazing because Savage Race brings in astronomical numbers. You know, the other clo- – I mean, they're just up there with the, like, quote-unquote top three or big three or whatever people say. But, I mean, back when – Everybody was gung-ho about Battle Frog when they were still around, and Savage Race was always, they were up there as, like, my top 
race series to go to. I just they put on epic events. Um, uh, Lloyd and Sam for Savage Race are amazing. Bo, they're like head course designer. Love the crew, love the family. You know, again, it's run by two brothers and just everything about them. Their courses are epic. Their obstacles are amazing, larger than life obstacles, and they mix in things that are tough for competitors and elites. Like they throw in grip strength and then they have your fun aspect to it with just like a big water slide down the back of their warped wall tile obstacle and you know fun things to crawl through tubes that are like teeter-totter tubes and I mean they've been mixing it up and every year evolving and bringing on new obstacles and I feel like they've just every year up their game whether it be through their media outlets and their coverage and now their live coverage on race day they have a drone that goes around the course and they follow the elites and the open waves and the start line and the festival and so i mean you you can't go wrong with savage in my opinion their um start line mc maddie i believe maddie t i think is his name um amazing pumps you up great fun start and yeah, so all that's fun, and again, I'm amazed at people that haven't done it, especially like you, Evan. I just couldn't believe you hadn't done it, so I'm glad you have now. But they were mostly on the East Coast, and I was more—I was in Kansas City before this year, uh, so it's just it didn't line up with my schedule. And again, and that's what they do, like amazing Florida events. I think their Florida event they do two a day, like a the whole weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and the numbers they get there is just great following. And yeah, starting with them. Savage Georgia, that was their spring event. They actually do two in Georgia. They do a spring and a fall, and I try to make both of those. And I've been doing those events in Georgia for three, four years now almost since that was like my, I think my second OCR ever was Savage Race. After I did Spartan, I went to Savage and ran that for fun and fell in love with it. And at that point, I wanted to get the axe from Georgia because first place, male and female elite, you get this amazing like really it's a wood carved axe and it's on a big old plaque and it's got the specific date and venue and it's really cool it's just one of those like things to stick on your wall with all the other junk i collect <laughs> has, has it always has it always been a wood carved axe or was it like a real axe at one point i if i'm not mistaken i remember back in the day like before they even had mandatory obstacle completion they were still giving out the axe before like they gave out money and elites and pro division and all that um, it was separate. It wasn't on a plaque, and I want to say it might have been real or not all wood. It might have had like a real head to it, and then a wood. I, I don't know. It, it was different than what it is now. Okay. But I always thought it was a real axe until the race, and then I saw it like it up close. I was like, oh, it's wooden. It's still cool, yeah, but <laughs> it's just not what I was expecting. Well, that's so funny you said that because I just went home well, to one of my other homes in Virginia, and my boyfriend Tracy was with me, and he saw my two axes that I have, and he's like, they're not even a real axe. I was like, no, it's way cooler. It's a wooden carved axe, and it's, I don't know, it's interesting thing to travel with. Our teammate Ashley Samples had to go home with one or fly home with one, I think, at one point or another, so it's interesting for sure. But um, just a cool thing to collect, and that's just for first in place male and female. And then they give, you still get, um, they have podium awards for second and third place. And then Savage Race is actually really amazing event for do age group awards. I mean, the, the amount of bling, quote-unquote, that you can collect at a Savage Race, <laughs> you get your finisher medal, and then, you know, if you podium, you get a specific gold, silver, bronze medal for that, plus if you get first, you get the axe, and then you can also get age group awards. So 
they do age group bronze, gold, silver, medals, specific too. So, I mean, you can collect some major bling from a savagery. And Plus, then they now have oh, the Savage Syndicate medal. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that thing's like three times. That thing's huge, and it spins, and you get pins for every state. So, like, you do, it's basically if you've run multiple events. So your first one would be Georgia, and then you go and do, say, Houston or Florida. Then after that second event, you get a pin for Georgia, and you get a pin for the next event, and you basically collect the state pins on this on the lanyard for the giant metal with a spinner. And, I mean, for the people who are quote-unquote metal whores or bling collectors or whatever, Savage Race is where you need to go because it's amazing. And who doesn't like ex- extra medals and all that fun stuff to show your – you know, your ranking and how well you did. So, but I mean, there's, and that's just, I mean, I'm, I haven't even gotten into very much of it, but Atlanta still, I'm very sad to say, I still do not have a Georgia axe. <laughs> Something happens every event. And I always feel like I'm just one day I'm going to, I'm not going to quit OCR until I get an axe from Georgia. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the way I felt about Conk the Gauntlet for all of last year. I kept, I kept coming up like so close, you know, I have a bad day or something would happen on the course. And it's like every race, it was like second, third, second, and uh, fourth, I think another third. And then I finally won the last one of the year, the Conquer the Gauntlet uh, XCC, Extreme Timber yeah. Challenge race. So that was one nice. of the people are probably listening like, gosh, you too. I mean, you're only after the, the awards. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, once you once you do so many events, you know, you have these different goals in mind. And so yeah, yeah, I yeah. laugh and giggle because I have. I thankfully have been lucky enough to place first at Savage, Ohio, and Chicago. So I do have in my possession, I have two axes, but <laughs> I want Georgia because that was my home and the beginning of it for me. And I want the Texas axe. I want either Dallas or Houston <laughs> just because those are my homes. And they've slipped out of my hands multiple times. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, those goals didn't start off that way, right? Like, so I, you, I mean, if you're on your first conquer the gauntlet, most people's goal is just to finish with their band, you know, and then you finish with your band, so you're like, all right, well, I need to step up the goal, so maybe it's top 10, and then maybe it's, you know, age group win or age group podium, and then it's overall podium, and then it's over, you know, so you, it's a sliding scale. Exactly. exactly. I mean, as an athlete, that's what, I mean, most people, either you're doing it for fun, which I do it for fun, and then, I mean, I have personal goals. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, I started out doing Savage Race Open Wave. And then after Open, you know, I competed Elite, or their pro division, and I think I got, um, I, I was Georgia, actually. I got so excited, because I was like, okay, this is my chance. I might actually have a chance, you know, I knew the competition was coming, and then all of a sudden, Claude showed up <laughs> in Georgia. I'm like, really? Canadian Claude shows up in Georgia? And I had no idea, and I took second place to her, and I was just oh. like, oh. They handed, they handed the axe to me to pass on to her, and I just looked at her, and I was like, Oh, here you go. I love you, Claude, but darn it. <laughs> if you don't know Claude Godboot, uh, she's, she was on episode, I think, three or four, something like that. You can go back and listen to her. She's a Spartan World Champion, dating Marco Bedard, uh, Olympic biathlete slash professional obstacle course racer slash owner of the Northman race as of this year. So Yeah, so. Yeah, so I've been close, and then, again, I've had many moments of, like, I did um, Savage Georgia their fall one last year and flopped and messed up podium contention on that. I had, like, two really bad events of Savage Race. So it was the fall Georgia and the Houston fall Savage Race, where 
I was in a really good place and bombed it at the end. Um, Savage Georgia fall, I was like second or third and then completely didn't even keep my band by the end of it. Same with uh, even worse in Houston. I was up against um, Alex Alexander Walker and I basically love her to death, but I smoked the course. I was in first place like the entire race and then I got to the second blast obstacle with the finish line like 100 yards in sight and bombed it again, which I've been known to do. And I didn't even keep my band. So I went from first place to like not even keeping my band at that event. So I went out with a vengeance this year and um, was happy to have you there for your first Savage Race at the Atlanta event in the spring. And I was very thankful enough to finally get back on the podium there. And I managed with stiff competition again. I believe it was Alex Walker and Jamie Stiles from Florida. Um, Alex and I are Texas girls, but I managed to get third place with the two of them up there in another tough event. There was competition. I think Tiffany Palmer from Spartan came out and showed up and it was a tough course, but I was very happy to get back to the podium after two no banding events. And, um, again, I wanted the ax, but still don't have it. So, (laughs) but it was, I love Savage in so many ways. And this year they've added new obstacles that are definitely, I mean, that event, you were there, so, you know, I mean, they had some, like, grip intense obstacles thrown in there that just kind of, like, zapped you and took it all out of you, so. Yeah, what I what I really liked about their obstacles was, as a standalone, so if you take any one of their obstacles and ask someone to do it, I think most, you know, competitive OCR athletes would not have a problem with any one of them uh, by itself, but when you put them in succession of each other, you know, it kind of, it, it wore you, it definitely wore you down over the course of the course, the course of the course, yeah. Um, it wore you down, you know, over the event. Um, that was my first race back, my first short race back after um, after I tore part of my pec early this year. So I was a little worried I was going to, like, re-tear something, you know, because you're moving fast, you know, and aggressively for, since it's a shorter race. Um, didn't have any issues, really. On, on Tree Hugger, when I reached, I could feel, like, my pec pulling, like the scar tissue pulling, uh, but it didn't. You know, it's fine there. And then actually, you know, on that very last one, the Colossus, you know, it's like a warped wall into like a slide. I get up to the warped wall and I go to like pull myself up. And because I haven't been training back as much as I normally do, like my back muscles just wouldn't work. It was like I went to pull and like nothing happened. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on? This is not <laughs> like this does not happen to me. I'm not used to this. You know, when I pull on something, I go up. Um so it was like a, it was like a couple of seconds of panic as I was like I'm about to slide back down this wall, like which is going to be super embarrassing. Um, also, how did you remind me? How did you end up finishing at that one? I just oh, I, so I ended up just muscling through it and I finished tenth uh, overall. So nice. I was uh, and that's good because Atlanta always brings a stacked field. I mean, Yuri Force has I mean, I'm very wrong. I'd say thirty, but no, like the most amount of axes ever. And I think he's got like nineteen or something. Yeah, that was the race where there was a little accident there at the end. <laughs> yeah, so at the end, uh, for those of you who missed the live live feed, it was Yuri Force and uh, who was he? Who was he? Was it Ryan Woods? I think right. It was Ryan Woods. Yeah, Yuri Force and Ryan Woods. They both come down Colossus simultaneously, end up in the pool. They're literally like ten yards from the finish, and uh, Ryan Woods goes straight through the pool towards the finish. Yuri Force exits like essentially the side of the pool and runs on land through the finish. Um, so they end up knocking him back to, I think, fourth place. 
Uh, yeah, because he had to go back and do the obstacle again, right? Yeah, I think I think that's what happened. Yeah, because um, the rules like it was it was a big to do because I don't think either it hadn't been it hadn't happened or something hadn't been addressed and they basically had to like thank goodness for live feed and <laughs> this new new coverage because they had to like go back and look at it and then go to the rules and at this point Yuri just had to go do the obstacle again and poor thing but I mean I'll never do that again that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean the I think. I think we know it's generally against the spirit of the obstacle, like exiting the side and then running on land. Um, right, do I think basically. Yuri Force was like purposely cheating? No, I mean the guy's won so many events. You know, he he knows what he's doing. You know, he he, he saw it was going to be close, made a tactical decision to get out the side. Turns out it was against the rules. You know, I don't I don't think there's any there was any ill will on his behalf, or you know, he was trying to cheat or whatever um i, I know some people were kind of being harsh on facebook people i was gonna say yeah he got like kind of reamed on facebook for it but again it was one of those like if many people that know yuri and have raced with him know i mean a he doesn't need to cheat and b the camera was on him and he knew yeah. it at the finish line so it's not like he would cheat if, if he was going to cheat why would you cheat right there at the finish line with the camera watching you right like, the camera's watching there everyone's watching it's the first two yeah. guys across you know so um and even his wife said that, I mean, she saw him come down that wall, like, harder and the, the the slide part of it, you know, faster and crazier than he ever has. Like, it was just, I mean, they were neck and neck. They were fighting. And I think Ryan Woods, if I'm not mistaken, is the only person that has beat Yuri at Savage Race. So oh, it was previous, one of those, previously yeah, you're talking? Yeah, I, I think so. And so I think they, you know, they had this competition where Yuri was just like, oh, man, like, I can't let him beat me again. <laughs> And then just in the heat of the moment, race brain, you know, you do things without thinking, and it it got him, unfortunately. But that's what happens. That's why I I love this sport for so many aspects. But there's just like little heat of the moment, crazy things that could change instantly. Yeah. But yeah, so that was Savage Race, but that was that was back in April. Yeah, early April. It's like April eighth or something or tenth. Yeah, so. yeah. That was that was good though, but that's. I feel like so, that was the last good one recently. <laughs> so since then, I've done. Uh, I did a Warrior Dash in Tennessee uh, a couple weeks, like two weeks later, or something like that. Um, How'd that one go for you? Good, very good. Uh, I was driving down there. It's a big hurricane, rain, and winds, and I was like, I'm definitely driving down here just to turn around. This day, race is definitely going to be canceled. So it's like pouring. I was like, oh, I've wasted my morning. Um, I get down there. It's like a delayed start. You know, they keep delaying the start. Eventually, the, the skies actually clear up, so they let us race. Uh, so I think the elite heat started at, I want to say, 10.30 instead of 8. Oh, well. So a lot of waiting around. Uh, it was at, um, whatchamacallit, Milky Way Farms in Pulaski, Tennessee. So if you've done Tough Mudder, Tennessee, same location. Or if you were at the Warrior Dash World Championship in 2015, the last year they did it. Uh, same location, so I think they actually have to had to reroute some of the course, uh, which I thought was a very professional decision. Um, I know some people were like, "Oh, well, there was only ten obstacles instead of 12. And it's like, "All right, well, you know, like any normal kind of running race would have can just canceled their event. They would there would be no no one would have gotten a chance to run. Period. Um, so right. I thought the fact that they put it on was still remarkable. Um, well, so explain to people, what do you do as, like, a competitor or any athlete? I mean, you're there, warmed up, ready to go, or expecting to go at 8 a.m. 
So how do you like change, you know, mental and physically to prepare for waiting around two more hours? You know, are you thinking like, okay, just scratch it and go home or you're like stick it out for a little bit longer, but then also, you know, your nutrition changes, your warm up, everything just changes at that point. Yeah. I mean, I had an, I had a snack in the car. I stopped at Starbucks, got like a little sandwich on the way down. So I ended up eating, I ended up, I ended up also getting an oatmeal. So I ended up eating that a little bit later than I would have because I knew it was going to be delayed at least a little bit. Um, and then you just kind of wing it. I mean, there's not much you can do. Now, the good thing is everyone's dealing with the same situation. So just because you're off your game doesn't mean everyone else is not off their game. So right. um, it's not like an unfair advantage. Everybody's at the same yeah. boat. So. Yeah, if you let if you let it bother you, then it becomes um, an advantage to your competitors, right? So yeah, you just kind of take it in stride, and um, they let us in. Race started. I stayed kind of in the top five for the. It was like a big uphill at first, so probably for the first half mile I was in the top five, and then the road flattened out, and I kind of turned on my speed and pulled away from the group. And then we started hitting obstacles, and I just kept pulling farther away. So I basically ran away with it. It was uh, it was a good race for me, right? Uh, and I ended up winning. I ended up winning by a couple of minutes, which I was really happy with. Um, uh, but yeah, so well, congratulations. That's always a good Thank feeling too. And it's not just like a. I mean, it's it's always fun to have that like push at the end or the close call. But then also when it's a nice, good couple minute cushion, it's like all right, awesome, even better because I kind of like. Smoked him. <laughs> and what was really cool about the event, or at least I thought it was cool, so the you, you go out and the course kind of loops back onto itself, so you end up running back by where you started. And because they're running late, they end up releasing the waves a lot sooner than they would have normally. So by the time even I was, you know, I think the race lasted for, I don't know, under 30 minutes, right? By the time I'm coming back, the course is already crowded. So they were, it was like... It was a lot of fun. So they were like, you know, people are cheering you on. And then they uh, they actually had a guy on a, one of the 4x4s, one of the Gators, as like a pace car, which was cool, too, to make sure I didn't get lost. Um, so that was cool, too. Um, but, yeah. That always helps. Well, good. Then, so that was, that was uh, when was that, end of April, May? Oh, no, that was, end, was that right after Savage? Yeah, it was like end of April. Um, you know, I think some people look at Warrior Dash and they're like, well, you know, they don't offer, as a, you know, a pro or elite competitor, they don't offer prize money, so why should I do it? Um, I think there's a couple of reasons. So the f- first one is just fun, right? Like, I love obstacle course racing. I think it's a good time. Warrior Dash is the event that got me started in obstacle course racing, so I still like to go back to them once a year and race just because I think it's a good time. Uh, two, you know, it's basically a running race. So it's the obstacles aren't hard. They're not really failable. So I think it... If you want to be well-rounded, you need to branch out. So you need to do a Warrior Dash to test your speed. You need to do a Conquer the Gauntlet to test your obstacle proficiency. Um, maybe an endurance event to test your endurance. So it's all part of being well-rounded. Uh, let's see, three, you know, they, they still offer prize money. So, or not prize money. They still offer prizes. So, you know, I got my OCRWC qualification shirt. I got a free pair of uh, Vibram five-finger shoes, which are like $130. I got a free Warrior Dash entry again for a future race, so um, that's cool. Nice. That's actually yeah, it's a good little yeah, good it's a good pickup. Yeah, and then the I think the other thing people forget about it, for those athletes that are on the higher level that are looking for sponsorship or have sponsorship, 
the benefits don't always come the day of the race. So if I win a war, if I win, let's say I, all I'm doing is warrior dashes and I win five of them or something, right? The and I start applying for sponsorship, the likelihood of someone picking me up is higher versus if I say, hey, I went to Spartan NBC races and finished 50th. You know, because it was a stacked field because it was all NBC races. You know, like, sponsors a lot of times don't understand the difference between a Warrior Dash event and a Spartan NBC race. You know, it's to them it's just a race and there's a thousand people there or whatever, however many thousand people there. Um, so if you're wearing their logo at the event and you do well, that's good for them. So I think people sometimes forget about those second and third order benefits that come with doing well at you know, even non-monetary races. So this might do sense. Well, that, and I was going to say that I like how we went from talking about Savage Race, how, you know, like I'm going for the axe or these goals, and then you turn around and say, like, you're doing Warrior Dash because it's fun, and that's what started it for you, and you want to go back to your roots, and OCR is still all about having fun. And, yes, as a pro or an elite, both of us, and knowing others and other competitors or open waivers, it's like originally it started as front fun for most of us and then we started competing and getting into like crazy goals and different ideas of what we wanted to accomplish but originally most of us were like hey this is a cool new thing and let's do it for fun so we always kind of go back to what started it for us and that's exciting because we might be competing and want money and sponsors and crazy axes and fun bling but originally it's like I just want to connect with more people having fun out there and warrior dash is a great way to do that. Or another event, just going out and running for fun, you know, going back out there on the course. So we love to be able to do that. Both of us. I know you do. And myself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the most fun obviously was conquer the gauntlet Atlanta. <laughs> uh, I almost can't even talk about it, but yes. <laughs> so the conquer the gauntlet Atlanta course built by Brenna and Napalm and David Mainprize and Steven and the rest of the crew and Tracy and all the, all you guys. I, I If you saw my Facebook post, I, if you didn't see it, I'd go back and read it, but it, I thought it was literally the hardest four miles of OCR I've ever done. I The race started, I started my watch, and 50 minutes later I finished, and I hadn't looked at my watch once. I didn't look at it for pacing, I didn't look at it for distance, because the entire time I was running my butt off, either trying to catch the guy in front of me, trying not to fall on the roots or, like, through the technical terrain or the mud, or trying to get across the obstacles, which, as Conquer the Gauntlet, like, on par, were, were, were challenging, right? Uh, especially that last one, there was a warped <laughs> wall that was enormous. Um, I have mixed feelings on it because it took me four tries to get over. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Jay Flores got stuck there, who was in second, and I was in third. He got stuck there longer than I did, so I went from third to second at that race. Um, but still required multiple attempts, so I have a love-hate relationship with the wall. Yeah, I am – oh, man. So, I mean, everybody knows me as Conquer the Gauntlet everything, and I don't know how many know that, like, this year I basically kind of – forfeited racing conquer the gauntlet so that i could be on the other side of helping put on amazing races like this and i still kick myself because i love i love my choice but oh man i wanted to race atlanta so bad because everything about it it was our second event of the season it was our second new venue of the season and 
I'm all about Atlanta. That's where it started for me. And getting it to Atlanta was like my, that was my baby for the year. It was just, let's go to Atlanta. We decided to do it as a team and a company. And then from there, I, I went to Atlanta like three or four different times promoting the event and getting people to sign up and getting the numbers there. And, you know, I brought in vendors and I basically, Dave let me kind of roll with it. He's like, all right, Brenham, this is your baby. And even Steve in the beginning was like, all right, we'll go with it. But you know, it was it was like pressure. I was like, it's on you. Get get it to happen. Get the people there. Make it awesome, and let's roll with it. And oh my, it exceeded my expectations just on every level. I mean, the feedback afterwards from the Gormers, the Georgia Obstacle Racer Mud Runner Group family there, and people from Ohio, the Crazy Mudder Muckers, and MIT, and people from Florida, and people from Lone Star Spartans, and everybody that follows Conquer the Gauntlet came to Atlanta because it was a new venue. And everybody wanted to see what the rage was. You know, we the word's been spreading about Conquer the Gauntlet. And finally, they went a little bit further east than what they're used to. And so thankful because, again, I wanted to race that course because there was not a single flat spot. And I don't like hills. I'm not good on hills. But I can power and suffer with the best of them. And that's what that course was. <laughs> I mean, it rained Friday. I'm pretty sure it rained, yeah, Friday before the event. And... It was supposed to rain on Saturday, so we just kept thinking, oh, my gosh, we have set up a gnarly course, and our obstacles are already tough, and the way we set them up made them a little bit tougher, and then I just kept thinking, oh, geez, if it rains, we might not have a podium. <laughs> like, this, you know, it's happened before. Conquer the Gauntlet has had times where the podium's not full or whatever, and luckily the rain held off, but, again, the course was just perfect in so many ways. The venue, it was at the... um West Georgia Mud Park out in Tallapoosa, Georgia. So it was west of the city, um, almost in Alabama. But it's like a mud, big, giant mud truck venue. And so it was perfect for the mud. It had hills. We took the people through the woods. I think there were two other events there prior to us. So we were the third OCR that went to this venue, which is good because in Georgia, lots of races go there, but everybody goes to Conyers out um, the Olympic Park, you know, and they just overdo that venue. And so people kind of get bored with it. So um, we took a chance and I'm so thankful because I haven't heard any negative about it. And again, the terrain was intense. And then I didn't even, I personally, so people think, you know, like I see the whole course or I build these courses. And so I know it backwards and forwards, but there are a crew of us and I don't see every aspect all the time. Um, I actually did not mark or see the entire course itself. I saw some of the obstacles placed, but it was funny. You can even watch my live video, and I was like, I think someone's lost over there. And Steve's like, nope, that's the right place. I'm like, okay, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. but <laughs> So I don't see the whole thing all the time, but it makes it even more exciting. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, we had, I, felt, I felt bad, but then I also loved it. We kind of giggled as we were putting the course together, Um and I don't think bad of us and we don't do it to be evil people, but we like to challenge you and conquer the gauntlet is about pushing limits and challenging you, but people have fun when they're doing it. And we kept putting up obstacles and I was like, how can we make this obstacle harder? Like laughing, but kind of in an evil, serious way. And we didn't do it to all of them, but some of our obstacles that are already tough, we were like, let's make them tougher or ones that are easy. How can we make this harder? <laughs> and, I mean, we sent y'all up a crazy hill, and then at the top of the hill was our Great Wall of America, which is a 12-foot oh, wall. No. So. Yeah. You got to check uh, out that, that picture of that from the bottom of the hill. Like, it's awful. It, yeah. Yeah, and then there's this giant wall at the top. 
Oh. I think I came and caught you live. I remember, like, coming up the you hill, did. and I was like, oh, there he is, scrambled up the hill. And, like, we actually, we wanted to make y'all carry logs. Like, there was a heavy carry, very heavy carry in it, but we thought for the elite wave, we were going to give all of y'all, like, a little tiny log just to carry and be annoying so that you couldn't scramble with both hands. But oh, lucky that would have been a Yeah, we ran out of time, so you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I was on all fours going up that hill. <laughs> but I just loved it because... We had people like from the crazy muckers that experienced it in Louisville last year, and unfortunately we did not go back there this year. So some of them came down to Atlanta. They're like, we want redemption. Pegatron, I'm coming for you. You know, I'm going to make you my, you know what. And I just, they were after keeping their belt. Well, little did they know that we had some surprises in store. And um, we were lucky enough when we were building the Atlanta course that the, I think it was Muddy Brute, had been there prior to us a couple years ago or last season and um they had this amazing warped wall that they left in the woods and it was pretty much just dumped there and we found it while we were building our course and we thought well hey let's see if like what is this let's pull it out of the woods so we i've got videos of us like forklifting it out of the woods but at this time it was top secret so i couldn't make any posts and share any information because we had a secret obstacle and um we get this warp wall set up and had to make it, you know, make it pretty. We put our crest on it and we actually added more support, changed the face of the plywood, made it so that it was functional and safe for everybody to use. But when you set up this warp wall, I mean, I think the typical quote unquote warp wall from like American Enjoyer and what people build their obstacles to is a 14 foot warp wall. I believe that's uh, correct. I think, I think Ninja Warrior upped it to 14 and a half feet uh, this past season. Yeah, so but. this one actually sat at 16 feet tall, but we dropped ropes down to, obviously, like, we weren't really trying to crush y'all initially. <laughs> um, but so we had four lanes. There were two men's and two women's. So the women's lanes had a little bit of a longer rope. And then the guy's lane, we basically made it so that the rope hung down to about 14 feet. So it was like the top of a warp wall, and then you had to pull up from there. Um, and it was the second-to-last obstacle, so you basically came off of Cliffhanger, which was redone for this season. Um, Tracy and myself, actually, Tracy um, is a metal fabricator along with Bill Crew and my boyfriend. So we actually built and designed a new Cliffhanger for this season for Conquer the Gauntlet. Um, a lot harder, by the way. Well, I yeah, so. <laughs> Cliffhanger was one of the original CTG obstacles, and it had been at every race for six years, five years, six years now. It only missed one venue, and that venue was Louisville, actually, um, last season. But so it was time to, it needed to be redone. You know, we needed to make it sturdy and safe, and we wanted to make it bigger and better. So Tracy and I fabricated a new obstacle, still monkey bars. So they go, they're on an upward angle and then a downward angle. But we actually extended it. It was four feet longer on each way, so eight feet longer total across the obstacle. (laughs) And then (laughs) there's, couple new twists quote unquote to it um some of the bars originally the original obstacle had spinning bars but it was more just from wear and tear we made yeah, they, they rotated but not not like they rotate now like <laughs> like I, I i definitely almost fell off because i was not i grabbed one and i was not ready for it to spin that much and i was like ah yeah so, so the new cliffhanger has some spinners quote unquote and there might be three in a row on some of them there might be two in a row on others and that's what I, the beauty of conquer the gauntlet is you you have to pay attention 
And people started getting wiser to it because you could look at the side of the obstacle and see which one spun based off the way the obstacle was designed. So yeah, like you can see you, the ones that don't spin, you can see the or the one yeah the ones that don't spin, you can see the welds on them yeah, securing them. Exactly. So. And so like if you fell once, you got up and you looked at it and you're like, ah, oh, okay, now I see. But anyway, so they had we had cliffhanger, which was newer, harder, and that challenged people. And it was I mean this was four mile course, so at about what, 3.75 miles, maybe, I would say, was cliffhanger after grueling course. And then after that, if you made it through that, <laughs> you came up to this ginormous warp wall. And we had it setting down in this, like, mud pit. And unfortunately, Mother Nature got involved. And, I mean, we tested the obstacle over and over. And, like, Dave Mainprize, the owner who's five foot two, three, I always call him smaller than he is, I don't know. <laughs> He's not that short. There's no way. He's like my height. He's like five, six, I think. He's be, well, I would say he'd be mad if he listened to this, but he doesn't. Um, he doesn't listen to any podcasts. But. I call him pint size. Anyway, so Dave made it and went up the warp wall. He went up it without the ropes, 16 feet tall, went up it. And he he's not an elite pro athlete. He doesn't train, so he flies up it. And then, like, Steve Mainprice, his brother, the other owner who's six feet tall I mean he's tall so he goes up it and we're just trying to show you know like we test the obstacles and we make sure everybody can do it and then you have Tracy who is six two six three two hundred something pounds like a bigger we call him big rig he flies up the obstacle and then you have napalm that does it with his boots and cowboy hats so like we want to make sure that everybody can do it while we're testing and building the obstacle well race day comes along and it was wet and you start getting mud and dirt and sand on it and that just adds a whole new element. And my heart rate, really? my heart rate is at its max. Yeah, and of course we were doing it, you know, kind yeah. of fresh, not not four miles <laughs> into the course. Um, but every was, time Dave puts up an obstacle, he's like, "Yeah, it's no problem." I'm like, I, I I've heard it so many times that I know it's going to be a problem. <laughs> because he said the same thing when the first time he put up Pegatron, he's like, "Oh yeah, super easy. I made it across." And I was like, I don't know what. Like he doesn't train, but he somehow like he must be all he's like all fast twitch muscle fiber. Oh, yeah. And he makes he can make it across things where it's like there's like no other person on the planet who can't who doesn't train and can do these things. It's so. just crazy. And then you have Napalm that's like, well, I can do it, so anybody can do it. And I'm like, Napalm, you are Nathan Palmer. He's like a, one of those again. He doesn't he trains, but not like he's just got natural strength yeah, and stocked him strong, and he can just go out and do things. I'm like, just because you can do it does not mean the average Joe can do it. So well, he was a climber for a long time, so a lot of his background's in climbing, so he's got that uh, strength from that. So he doesn't he doesn't understand why other people physically can't do it because he's just <laughs> he's been doing it for so long. But back so. to the point was that I felt so oh, felt bad slash found joy in it and pride because this is our evil twisted ways that um people were coming and they were so excited they like get through the whole course and people that had never kept their belt through Pegatron or through the rig, um, Tarzan, like the guys, Tarzan is very difficult and people lose their belts there. They lose it at um, Pegatron. So many competitors made it through this grueling course and then they made it through Cliffhanger and then they get to the warp wall. And again, like you said, Port Jay Flores and Jordan Bushimi were going back and forth a little bit. Like Jay Flores had the lead for a minute and then him and Jordan were close neck and neck and, I just, I felt so bad because poor Jay, he gave it his all on that wall and so did so many others that had their belt up until that point. And then, uh-oh, we we took a lot of belts or people were on the course until they got kicked off as the last competitor because 
people didn't want to quit. And that's what Conquer the Gauntlet has the heart and soul that people just come out and like they get rocked and they have fun and they challenge themselves, but they don't, they don't get mad. They don't get angry and they come back for more and hungrier and stronger. And yes, that warp ball, it kicked some butts of people. And I was so happy. Like I got the live video. I started doing live feeds for the elite waves now and like watching you get up it after you and you were there, you get up it and they're just like, screaming i'm so excited like yes yes you know it was awesome and our teammate like cody was running in fifth place you know steadily through the course and it was his first ocr back this season and he gets up it and it was just the excitement after you know watching people fail it and then left and right and then going back hours later and seeing those same people still there i just felt so bad (laughs) it was just i felt bad but definitely got to give a shout out to jason williams who was there he was there the entire day. We, they, they ended up uh, kicking him off the course because essentially, you know, we we're starting to pack things up. Yeah, so well, and a lot like, of heart. Absolutely, a lot of heart like, on it. Posted their um, like GPS from the watch that day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone ran like two miles just <laughs> running up and down the warp wall. <laughs> yeah. So. But overall, Conquer the Gauntlet Atlanta was like one of. I mean, every race we put on, we're like, this is the best one. This is the best one, and they keep getting better and better and. Atlanta was a great first-time event, and the feedback and excitement was amazing, and the competitors, and the, it just, everything was, I loved it, and loved seeing you back on the podium, and getting, like, the the placement changes from that event, from the guys and the girls, like, um, Jamie Stiles and Ashley Samples were going back and forth, and Lisa Nordorf, Nordorf took third, or no, wait, second overall, first Masters, second, I mean, yep. Like, it's just, I, I love seeing it. And then the fact that people, unfortunately, that's, so we do this. So we set up the Warp Bowl, and now our event that we're hosting here in Dallas on June 3rd, that's what I'm here building, is everybody's like, oh, I can't, everybody's talking about Atlanta. I can't wait. I can't wait. And it's just like, well, it's a totally different venue. <laughs> Definitely not like the course in Atlanta. And unfortunately, this one, we don't have the Warp Bowl right now because that was kind of like a a find, a lucky or unlucky for some find that we now might have to build. Who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe later in the season we might have a crazy CTG warp wall, but um, you, you never know with CTG, and that's the beauty of it. We throw in some random things that just show up one day and then go on the next, or you never know. So um, it's very exciting. And, again, I'm so jealous that I – jealous slash love the fact that I'm building, but jealous I can't run them and compete with you guys out there because I was – very excited to see that happen and go down. Yeah, one of the things we did at Atlanta too was uh, they did a Masters podium for the first time. So I mean, yeah. that was cool to recognize the Masters. They, had, I don't think we have any Masters specific awards yet besides the standard age group award. Um, that's um, given well, out. We do the age group award, and then um, the top master, male and female, is awarded a free race. Okay. So, uh, yes. We started that in Atlanta, and we just kind of want to see how it goes. I mean, there's a whole Masters following. I mean, Spartan has had Masters for how long? And um, I think, you know, Savage Race does it with the age group, and people kept asking. And, I mean, we've had Masters come that have made our top podium. So we just we wanted to get the others to come and give us a try and show what they can do and show how amazing they still are at that age. And it, it was great for Atlanta, and um, we're going to be doing it here and we're, the rest of the season. We're going to try it out, and if it keeps a big success and people want it and come back for more, you know, maybe there will be an, a money award or 
another version of the gauntlet or anything cool like that. But, um, yeah, you get top masters, male and female does get a free race. So that right there is worth, worth it to me, you know, if you get to go out and have fun and do it again by, me, by all means. And the Masters male podium only had one guy on it, and the Masters female podium had two females on it. So if you're a Masters athlete and looking for a podium placement and think you have what it takes to complete all the obstacles, I would sign up for a CTG, head out there, and as long as you can finish all the obstacles, you you know, based off of Atlanta's results, you'll essentially almost guarantee to spot on the podium. So yeah, um, which I'm sure will change as the year progresses. And we get more Masters athletes out there, but um, open spots right now. So come okay. check it out. Come, come and get them, y'all. Yeah, that uh, brings us to, I guess, what after Atlanta, you were done until Philly, correct? Uh, yes. So we are we are pushing the limit on time, and we were planning on talking about Toughest Mudder Atlanta and Toughest Mudder Philly because I did both. And Brennan did Toughest Mother Philly. But I think we're going to have to save that for another episode or another dun, time. Uh, y'all can hear all the good stuff because I got stories for Philly. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd say with that, we're going we're gonna to call it at this point. Um, but we will record another one covering Toughest Mother Atlanta and Toughest Mother Philly. Kind of some lessons learned from that. Um, you know, I know Atlanta was still have the two-loop format. Philly went down to a one-loop format with more obstacles. Um, Philly was but, actually yeah. my first eight-hour – actually, other than rat race last year, um, this was my first, like, major, actually, endurance event. So it'll be exciting to talk about to give some people some insight for someone that is new to it or scared of it because of that. So um, we'll definitely have to touch base on that in another later episode. So everybody keep an eye out for that coming up. Right on. Okay, uh, so I think that's it for tonight. We're going to call it. Uh, I still need to go – I need to go for a quick run and get my legs a little loose. Still yes, recovering yes, from Philly. Like, what time? Where are you? <laughs> oh, it's like 9.30. It's still pretty early. <laughs> and the casino's open all night. So. There you go. Yeah, go, good. go for a run. Get you some money. I have to go to bed because we are unloading a semi tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Well, that sounds fun. Oh, yeah. Not. I do not – I do not envy the build crew. I'll be. I'll just. I'll just say it. No, do not. Do not envy that at all. That's not it's, my. That's, it's different. That's not my bag. Yeah, and that's why I, I'm glad I'm not racing because I tried last year. I did build crew and racing, and wow, wow, so exhausting enough. But um, yeah. So, do you have any quick shout outs or anything you want to give some love to? Uh, let's see. See what we got going on. Uh, I'm racing. Well, by the time this comes out, I'll have raced it already. Uh, Dirt Runners Midwest Mayhem 24-hour race in outside Chicago. Uh, it's part of my big plan to do. Uh, I'm calling it uh, Ultra OCR Grand Slam. So I was planning to do every 24-hour OCR in the world in 2017, which was four at the time I said I was going to do it. Actually, it was five at the time I said I was going to do it. Then it became four. And now it looks like it might be up to six. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Freaking, yeah, I was like, all right, I got my, my race schedule planned. And then in this in one day, uh, Shale Health said so they were putting their 24-hour race back on. It's the same day as Toughest Mudder Chicago. And then Spartan teased uh, a 24-hour race that might be taking place in Iceland, which, like. Oh, my gosh. Which is, so I don't know if I'm going to go do that because it was, you know, I hadn't really planned for that and. 
Um, kind of messes with my schedule. Look out, Iceland. Evan's coming for you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying I'm not doing it, but I'm not saying I am doing it. So we're, we'll see. Um, and I already signed up for Toughest Mudder Chicago, and I did well at Philly and Atlanta, and I want to do well at the, other, the third one. Um, and uh, CBS Sports is at, has been at all, all the Toughest Mudders, so um, I think that's, that's currently a priority. So. There you go. We'll talk about that later, though. Um, so, Grand Slam Ultra OCR. Um, check out that article I wrote on Mud Run Guide. Uh, also have a couple articles about the Olympics that are currently out on Mud Run Guide. Check those out. And see what else we got. Pick up a copy of my book, Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, if you haven't done so. I think that's it. Brenna, what do you got? Um, I can pee back on the Mud Run Guide. I just want to give a shout-out because they um, featured me in their series that's the Badass Women in OCR, so I'm very honored because there are so many women out there that are kicking butt, and I was featured as their last one in the series, I believe. So that article um, just recently, by the time you listen to this, it's been out probably a week or two when this comes out. So thank you, Mud Run Guide, and everybody for that. And a quick shout-out. I don't know if you all have heard of OMPU. Um, they are a compression and clothing company, and I love them. They started, and um, I heard about them from the Swedish team that came over for OCRWC, and they now have a U.S. Um, line and amazing compression gear, leggings, guys and girls. They're just functional. They're comfortable. They actually have OCR-specific gloves. So I'm shouting out to them because they are giving me a pair of gloves to review and give them some feedback on. So love companies that, you know, want to get feedback from the actual athletes that use them. So OMPU USA, check them out, and I promise you'll love it. All Everything about them, customer service and their gear is amazing. So worth looking into. All right. I think that's it. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you hopefully next week, as long as we are not too busy. The, uh, we're in the middle of race season, so things kind of get crazy with recording episodes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you soon.